Did this year's Independence Day mark the D.C. area's freedom from COVID-19? Or does the pandemic's grip on this region remain? I'm Loris Vitalniak. And I'm Luke Garrett. The United States missed President Biden's vaccination goal of 70% of Americans getting at least one shot by July 4th. Despite falling short, the president lauded the country's efforts in an Independence Day speech. While the virus hasn't been vanquished, we know this. It no longer controls our lives. It no longer paralyzes our nation. And it's within our power to make sure it never does again. This week, Governor Ralph Northam tells us what this July 4th meant for Virginia and where the Commonwealth stands in its fight against COVID-19. So Governor Northam, this year's July 4th, to many, means more than just a celebration of independence. It marks a freedom from the COVID-19 virus, which has killed more than 600,000 Americans and turn people's lives upside down. So what does this July 4th mean to you and the Commonwealth? Well, it means that we're 16 months into what has been a very long journey. Uh, Believe it or not, our first case in Virginia of COVID-19 was on March the 7th of 2020. We were essentially fighting a biological war. And initially we were fighting a biological war with no supplies and very little direction. So governors like myself started from the ground floor and literally were competing uh, with each other for PPE, for testing supplies. And we made some really, really tough decisions in Virginia. Our businesses were closed down. Our schools were closed to in-person learning. Children had to learn virtually. We know that they sacrificed. The hospitality industry, restaurants, hotels, entertainment venues, you know, have had a really tough time. And so July 4th to me means that You know, we as Virginians have come a long way. I'm proud of Virginians for following the guidelines for the most part, keep our mask on when we need it to, to keep our distancing, to wash our hands, really encourage everybody that could to be vaccinated. As you know, we've met the president's goal of over 70% of adults having at least that first vaccine. So July 4th is, I think, a date that we can celebrate, that we're back together, that we can take our masks off, hug each other and get back to work and get our kids back in school. But the pandemic is still not completely behind us. People ask, am I satisfied? And I'll never be satisfied until we have this in the rearview mirror. And the way to do that, and we're still working very diligently at this, is to encourage all Virginians to roll up their sleeve and take a shot. That's really our main message at this stage. Yeah. It seems like an important distinction to make that we are post-lockdown, not necessarily post-pandemic. You know, what a challenging year. And, you know, we've had storms and hurricanes, snowstorms. We're shut down for a couple of days. People tolerate that okay and get back on our feet. This went on for 16 months. That's a lot to ask of people as a society. And again, it has really brought out the good in Virginia. You know, when I've gone to the testing sites, vaccine sites, It's amazing to see everybody that has stepped up to be part of the solution. Uh, I'm proud of Virginia, and we're in a much better place today than we were certainly 16 months ago. Definitely. Of course, we are facing new threats, just like we're adapting to the virus. The virus is adapting to us. Just this week, Dr. Anthony Fauci told us that the Delta variant is spreading across the country and poses a very real threat to the unvaccinated population, especially. The Delta variant spreads more rapidly than the other variants and gives you more severe disease. People are not vaccinated. They are going to be at considerable risk. 
How is your team monitoring this variant and will Virginia be ready if Delta has an outbreak? Well, we do have Delta in Virginia, uh, unfortunately. And the answer to Delta is to roll your sleeve up and get a shot. That's very clear. That's the science. That's the data. But I think your point is well taken. And I think certainly from putting my physician's cap on, we are all vectors for viruses. And if we've had our vaccine, then the chances of us being vector is much less. But viruses, they try to survive. And the way they survive is to mutate. And as long as there are people, as long as there are vectors, it's a stubborn virus and it's a smart virus. It's going to have the ability to continue to mutate and to continue to cause problems. And again, not to be redundant, but the way to prevent that is for people to get vaccinated. I mean, I wouldn't say it's necessarily redundant. It's a message. Is that the message you would say to the 30-something percent of Virginians who haven't gotten the shot yet? Absolutely. And, you know, we know that the population has been resistant to vaccines. It's kind of the 18 to 30 age range. Mm -hmm. So I encourage all of those individuals to get a shot. And as a pediatrician, you know, the FDA has approved age 12 and above. I anticipate in the next few weeks, the FDA will approve for five and above. And so the more we can get out and we really have a plan. We have mobile units. We're communicating with our pharmacists, our providers, our faith leaders. We're coming at this from a lot of different angles. But the more we can get out into the communities and get shots in people's arms, the better chance we'll have for getting this behind us. Mm. A lethal variant is one of the challenges that we face ahead. But another is the inequities that were really deepened during this pandemic across race, across class. How, in your last six months in the governor's mansion, are you and your team going to meet these inequities and try to address them? I'm really glad you brought that up. You know, our administration has been addressing inequities from the start. We have been focused on things like access to healthcare, access to education, access to business opportunities. And you're exactly right. I like to tell people that we came into COVID-19 as a commonwealth strong, but we have learned so much and we're going to come out of it even stronger. A couple of examples. Access to health care. I am so glad that Virginia made the choice to expand Medicaid. Now, close to 550,000 Virginians have access to seeing a provider. I can't imagine being in a pandemic when people can't go see the doctor. Medicaid recipients are eligible for dental care, which is just so, so important. Another large one is education and access to broadband. One of the most difficult decisions that we had to make was when we closed schools. And some families were, I won't say fine, but they adapted to that because they had internet at home. Well, there are about 220,000 families in Virginia that don't have internet. So we were setting up hotspots and doing things that we could to make sure that everybody had access to the internet. But we know now, and COVID really brought this into better focus, that in 2021, everybody needs access to broadband. I use the example of virtual learning but also telehealth. About 75% of the visits in my medical practice back in Norfolk are now through telehealth. And again, that works well if you have access to broadband, but it doesn't if you don't. So broadband is another area, and we're putting a lot of resources into that, $50 million a year over the next two years, and then we'll use $30 million from federal funding. And again, like a lot of these things, this is a nonpartisan issue. Everybody agrees that we really need to address these inequities. Yeah. One other topic I would just like to touch on is, is housing. 
July 1st marked the end of the state of emergency in Virginia, and with that goes the moratorium on evictions. Now, the federal CDC stay will continue through July 31st. There are programs in Virginia. I was wondering if you could speak at all to those who are fearing eviction and struggling with rent during this time. Yes, just to back up a little bit, during this pandemic, 1.6 million Virginians plus applied for unemployment. That is a lot of people that were out of work. And when people are out of work, they're at risk of losing their homes. So we recognize this early on and put a lot of resources and, as you said, a lot of different programs to address evictions. And just so folks know, Virginia has put over $250 million into eviction protection. And that's helped a a lot of families keep roofs over their heads. And uh, as you said, the state of emergency ended. So I don't have the authority to extend the eviction moratorium, but it's been done at the federal level. And we also have programs that will extend into the next month or two. So we're in a position in Virginia and, and we have the ARPA money, the rescue plan money that we'll use for this. We'll do everything that we can to make sure people are able to stay in their homes. Looking forward, you are obviously not running for governor again, seeing that Virginia's constitution bars that. In all likelihood, you will be passing the keys to the governor's mansion to either Glenn Youngkin or Terry McAuliffe, both of whom haven't governed, like most people, under a pandemic. What do they need to know about going forward and possibly being left with the wreck that coronavirus caused? The best advice I could give whoever takes my place is to be a listener and understand what's going on with the people, with the constituents of Virginia and understanding their needs. And also, I say this as a doctor and a biology major, there's nothing better than the science. So follow the science, follow the data. Uh, And I think to your point, this pandemic, I would like to say, will be in our rearview mirror, but I suspect that it, it may smolder for a while. We may have you know, mm-hmm. variants because of mutations. And so we're going to have to rely on our scientists to provide us that data. And then that's what I've done every day. I get up in the morning and look at the data and then, you know, make decisions uh, to keep Virginians as healthy and safe as I can. So that, that would be my advice to whoever I turn the keys over to. On a personal note, how are you doing? You had COVID. I, re- I just realized we didn't actually talk about this, but you are someone who had COVID and is ideally on the other side of it. Can you smell again? Like, is, how are you feeling? Well, I appreciate you asking. Yeah, Pam and I both had COVID back in September. Yeah. I guess I would say I had a fairly mild case, and I'm fortunate to be sitting here talking to you because over 11,000 Virginians lost their lives, and that's something that I, I truly regret. But I can't smell. My taste is off. I would say everything tastes kind of dull. But, you know, otherwise, I feel good. I run a lot to stay healthy, ride my bike, do those kind of things. So, And my wife, is uh, she's doing fine and doing a lot of great work for Virginia, especially in the area of early childhood education. So we're doing well. And, you know, Pam is a teacher by trade and does a lot of environmental work. She'll probably go back to doing that. And, and I'm a doctor and we've uh, purchased a house back in Norfolk and I'll go back and practice medicine in January. That's what I'm trained to do to take care of sick children. So I kind of look forward to coming full circle in my life and it's been a great experience of the political world. But uh, as you said, we can't run for re-election. So I look forward to going back and taking care of children and teaching. I love to teach. Is there any possibility you would rerun for governor? <laughs> you know, I don't think so. I'm, I'm 61. I want to go back and take care of patients and do some teaching and 
And I, I think my political career will come to an end in January 22. During July 4th festivities, Metro Rail recorded its largest ridership count since the pandemic began. The rail service was hit hard this past year and has been slow to recover, running at around 20% capacity this summer. The new Delta variant has been confirmed in all 50 states. The CDC estimates it makes up about a quarter of all COVID cases in the country. The variant is more transmissible and poses a threat to both unvaccinated and partially vaccinated people. Virginia and Maryland are among the 20 states that met the White House's July 4th goal of vaccinating 70% of adults with at least one dose. The District of Columbia also reached the goal. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Laura Spitalniak. And me, Luke Garrett. Our cover art was created by cartoonist Audrey Garrett, and our music is courtesy of Locksbeat. Join us next Monday as the world reopens.